This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Boy, is my life boring after hearing what happens at the White House. I think everybody's life is boring after you listen to the brawl that they almost had of punches and everything else that took place. It was about to come to blows. They were like swearing at each other. And that was on December 18th. And that was one of the interesting revelations from the January 6th committee hearing today. Everybody, you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. And, yeah, it was interesting. It was dramatic. Uh, They had a guy from the Oath Keepers. They had a whole bunch of kind of interesting comments from people that painted the scene of what it was like at the White House in the days leading up to January 6th. And clearly, they're just trying to smear President Trump. They don't want him to run again. They want to do anything they can to knock him out of power, to put a blemish, not just on him, but on the Republicans. So tonight, I want to hear if you think there was anything in there that could lead to any sort of a charge against President Trump, because that's the bottom line. At the end of the day, the committee could make a referral to the Department of Justice. It sounds like they would have made a referral even before Trump took office. They try to find something. But I bet they're going to try to make some referral. And then it goes to DOJ and they decide, okay, whether or not they're going to charge President Trump with anything. And so far, I haven't heard anything that made me go, and I was watching today really closely. I've been watching glued very much to the hearings because I think it's important at least to listen to them. I think they are clearly slanted. They are clearly partisan. They are clearly one-sided. There's no opportunity for cross-examination. And I thought about that today, too. What a disservice that there isn't the other side to be able to ask some of the other questions that I think are real obvious And I'm going to get to those tonight because I have even more questions than I did before this. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to do you think there is enough to charge President Trump and for it to go somewhere? Or do you think that this is just all smoke and mirrors, one big drama show? They're trying to kind of drag it out so it can get closer and closer to the midterm elections They know that President Biden is in big-time trouble, even among Democrats. Some new polls show that even Democrats don't want him to run for re-election because the economy is so bad and so many other things. As we know, the border, there's so many issues going on. He's on his way now to Israel, and then he's going to Saudi with a tin cup, begging for oil because he doesn't want to produce it in our country. So how much of this is a major, major distraction And designed to really just kind of like dangle it over here and say, boy, uh, don't you want to like put some sort of taint on the whole Republican Party and President Trump before the midterms, anything they can do to keep control. 
And if you look at what they got so far, it was interesting. But I didn't hear anything that made me think, oh, gosh, okay, this could maybe move the dial. Did you hear something? Am I missing something? Because so far to me, it just looks like a bunch of politics and a bunch of bitter, uh, mostly Democrats and pseudo-Democrats, you know, like Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, who, again, all of them appointed by Nancy Pelosi. So you know where that's going. And I didn't hear anything today which directly had the influence of President Trump directly linking to where he specifically said, you know what, I want you all to pick up arms and I want you to do an insurrection and I want you to overtake the Capitol and I want you to do blank, 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 blank. That's almost what you really need, especially if you're going to go after a former president. You need some direct link. And I didn't hear it. And in fact, here is a little bit of what they say, some of the verbiage from President Trump on January 6th. Again, this is a speech we've all heard, but they cut out certain portions that they say are the most damning to President Trump. And they played it today during the hearing. And I want to get your reaction to the president's own words. Is there anything in there that to you makes you say, aha, we got him, if you're a Democrat? Take a listen. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. So I hope Mike has the courage to do what he has to do. And I hope he doesn't listen to the rhinos and the stupid people that he's listening to. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. But we're going to try and give our Republicans the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I hope that Mike has the courage to be strong. We need to fight like hell. So is there anything in there that says to you, okay, this guy is uh, telling everybody to pick up arms and go through the Capitol? I I mean... There are so many leaps that I'm hearing right now. And the double standards between Republicans and Democrats, boy, to me, it just makes me sick. Because I think of some of the recent comments that we've heard from Chuck Schumer and all these others that have said in recent weeks and months, you know, oh, get in their face, do this, do that. Uh, You know, and yet they're saying that this is incendiary. Do you think that what he said is incendiary? And also, if you ask President Trump today, he'd still say that he believes that there was an issue with the election. So if you listen to him and you listen to the advice that he got from some people, which was corroborated today, I actually thought a lot of what was said today at this January 6th hearing, I thought actually was more helpful to Trump. There was some stuff that looked like things were crazy, definitely. uh, But it also certainly made it look like he was getting advice from people and it was corroborated on camera. You see it. They were playing it that there were individuals who were telling him the investigation should continue into the election, that there could still be issues that gave him grounds to believe that there were issues. There were others who clearly were saying there were not that you should kind of give it up and and you basically, you know, uh, give up the presidency and, and end it gracefully. But then there were also others that said, look, there may be a path. 
that you need to look at XX and X. And one of them was Sidney Powell. Now, Sidney Powell describes a meeting that took place at the White House. This took place on December 18th. And that date's significant. We're going to get to that in a moment, because if you were watching the hearings like I was, uh, it was an interesting meeting for sure, where it almost sounds like it came to blows between Pat Cipollone, who was the White House counsel, who testified, remember, just last Friday. They played excerpts of it for the first time a few hours ago. And also he and some other White House official counsels versus these new people that the president was bringing in. Now, the president was bringing in. uh, He had meetings with Sidney Powell. Rudy Giuliani had been in there in and out. There were different people that were kind of coming in and out. Michael Flynn also um, who believed that there was some sort of path for the president. And also John Eastman, uh, who's an attorney who also was the president's personal attorney. And so among this group, they're at the White House, right? It's December 18th, and Pat Cipollone shows up and gets in this argument with these other White House counsel. And these other White House counsel, or other, I should say, independent counsel for the president, were taking issues, saying there may be still some other routes for the president. That's what they were telling him. Obviously a long shot by by far, but that's what they were telling him. And Sidney Powell, in her own testimony, confirmed that. And she also said that in that meeting, there were clearly two different views of opinion. Take a listen to what this is the committee playing it today. Cipollone and Hirschman and uh, whoever the other guy was showed nothing but contempt and disdain uh, of the president. Nothing but disdain for the president. And they were supposed to be representing the president through the White House counsel, supposed to be representing him and the White House. And there was a clear division of opinion, no doubt. And she said that she was so disgusted at the way that they were treating the president, not her group, but the White House counsel, the official group, that they were treating the president, not even listening to him when he said this should be looked into, this should be looked into. She said it was just shameful and she couldn't believe it. And it just shows that there were two different schools of thought going on at the White House in the president's ear. Take a listen. I mean, if, if it had been me sitting in his chair, I would have fired all of them that night and had them escorted out of the building. So if it was her, she would have escorted them out of the building. So clearly two different views. And that's what was told to the president. So now Liz Cheney went right for this point, And I knew she would right at the top of the hearing. It was right in her opening argument because she knows that as an attorney, as a legal expert, that if there is indeed somebody advising you and they're a counsel, and these people were independent counsels, independent, uh, you know, acting on behalf of the president, not acting on behalf of the White House, giving him advice, that it basically gives him the authority to say, this is what I was advised. You know, you get it's like anything else. You get different opinions on things. Even though there were a lot of people clearly telling him to hang it up, there were also a lot of other people, at least a handful of people, and people that he knew and trusted, who were saying, keep going and keep fighting. There's different paths, albeit rare ones. They were basically saying that, and they verified it in the testimony played by the committee. But Liz Cheney said no matter what the president was told, at the end of the day, she says he is solely responsible. Take a listen. The strategy is to blame people his advisors called, quote, the crazies, 
for what Donald Trump did. This, of course, is nonsense. President Trump is a 76-year-old man. He is not an impressionable child. Just like everyone else in our country, he is responsible for his own actions and his own choices. As our investigation has shown, Donald Trump had access to more detailed and specific information showing that the election was not actually stolen than almost any other American. And he was told this over and over again. No rational or sane man in his position could disregard that information and reach the opposite conclusion. And Donald Trump cannot escape responsibility by being willfully blind. So in other words, it doesn't matter what he's told. He's an adult. He's 76 years old. And everything rests with him. What do you make of that argument? Because they know at the end of the day, whether the council, like Sidney Powell and some of the things that she was throwing out there, some of them were, you know, a little kooky. Yeah. But they were what were told to the president. So it's like if somebody tells you, you say, well, that was the advice I got. I didn't listen to this advice. I listened to that advice. And at the end of the day, that is basically, I think, a lot of what this comes down to. And the committee itself, I think, now is in big trouble after what I just heard today. What are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy on line one. Ted, your thoughts about all this? Uh, good Good evening, Rita. Stan and I are the only sane individuals with common sense and intelligence calling your station. Rita, I hate to say this to you, but you should resign from the profession of journalism. I spoke to Ed, Ed Friedman today, who wrote the editorial about Giuliani. I spoke to him for a half an hour. I'm going to meet him and have lunch with him. Rita, you're off the wall. You're like... Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth, Rita. Oh, by, by the way, by the way, hey, Teddy, 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 you should refrain from the mission of calling talk shows because until you have any knowledge, and good luck with that lunch meeting, if you treat him like you treat me and you treat others, it's going to be one long, painful lunch. I feel like I need to call Mr. Friedman and tell him to have a couple drinks before he's meeting with you because, Teddy, You clearly have one position, and I always let you speak, and that's what I love about this show. I have you and Stan and others who call in, and I welcome more. I've had a number of other people, too. Obviously, you think the world revolves around you, but it doesn't. Um, But I also love hearing from so many people, and that's what I love about this show, to have so many different opinions. But so, Ted, now that you've hopefully calmed down, um, explain what you think and why you have a problem with what I was just saying about the January 6th. I'm trying to be fair. I'm stepping back. And also, by the way, I walked into the hearings to say, let me see what they're saying. I, I was open-minded to see what I'm hearing. And so far, I haven't heard anything yet. The only thing I did think was interesting, I did hear Liz Cheney at the very end talk about potential witness tampering, that there may have been a call from Trump to somebody, and that could be interesting from a criminal case prosecution. That's a little different, but I wonder about anything from these guys because everything, hang on, Ted, everything they say so far has basically been so one-sided. I mean, they said today that he did nothing to temper the flames, and yet there are reports that he called the National Guard, that he wanted the National Guard to come. We're not hearing the answers to that. 
We're also he also said go peacefully and patriotically. Does that sound to you like someone who is fueling the flames? I'm just saying to you that it's a high bar when it's president of the United States. And I would say the same thing if it was Republican or Democrat. You better have your ducks in order if you're going after someone of that level. So now that you've calmed down, go ahead and answer me, Ted. Okay, let me ask you this. You talked about threatening uh, the Supreme Court judges. I haven't heard a word from you when uh, the the Republican uh, gentleman, I forgot his name, who's on the committee, whose wife and children were threatened physically being killed, okay? He got the telephone call. You didn't say a word about that, uh, about the, the congressman being his life and his wife and his kid being threatened to kill. Which one are you talking about? Because sadly, there's been a lot of threats of late. And I will tell you, Ted, I have no tolerance for any of the violence. And I have said that, by the way, Ted, obviously you haven't listened well because on Jan- I have said – Everything tied to January 6th. When I see the people storming the Capitol, I hate it. When I see the people saying, hang Mike Pence, I hate it. Uh, I, I am not for violence. But you have not also condemned the riots of 2020. You haven't condemned. I haven't heard you call into the show. You seem to only call in because you don't like President Trump. And you can't wait to do anything to sink him. But I haven't heard you say anything about defending the Supreme Court justices. And by the way, I would say that no matter if it was Kavanaugh or Sonia Sotomayor, um, I think it's inappropriate. And I think it's horrible. And I think it needs to be condemned. So you're kind of coming in from a very one-sided position. And listen, I respect your opinion. I disagree in a lot of points. I've also agreed with Stan on a number of things. And, Ted, I hope you call back, and good luck with that lunch. Boy, that's going to be an interesting one. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What do you think of uh, Ted, one-time Teddy? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And I'm hot-blooded after that call from one-time Teddy. What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to your calls. We're talking about the January 6th hearing today, which had a lot of fireworks. It was explosive, emotional testimony. But the bottom line is, was there anything that moved the dial that could ultimately result in a criminal charge against President Trump? And I am stepping back and I'm not seeing any direct evidence. And I'm going to show you later on in the show some of the comments, obviously, from the Democrats, that if you're going to go down that route, it's a very dangerous rabbit hole to go down. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy on line two in New City. Jimmy, your thoughts about this? Oh, boy, that's disrespectful and a horrible call. I've I feel bad that you have to deal with something like that. You know, Jimmy, Uh, you know what? Don't feel bad for me. Feel bad for the guy that he said he has to have lunch with because I only had to listen to him for five or ten minutes. If I would assume lunch between, you know, drinks and food and all that, it's going to take an hour or two hours. Imagine listening to that guy for an hour or two hours. That's painful. Yeah. um, You brought up a terrific point, which got me going. redirected what i would say um this is a personal vendetta and i believe the best of best lawyers could bring the case that these people are not letting the other side be heard there's nothing to do with anything um this is our taxpayer money 
being used for this personal vendetta. And I think that there's there's a case that could be found that these people should be, um, you know, found. There's, there's some looking into that because – and also there's their little quest for the truth. They may find the truth, which you said also, and the truth may come out and help Trump. Well, and some uh, of the things I heard today – uh, Jimmy, you heard my argument too, and listen – you know, there are obviously I don't like to hear that it almost got to blows at the White House. And, you you know, I was talking about some of the incendiary um, language that certainly people used and breaking into the Capitol uh, by some of the rioters. I don't like that. But I also don't like the people that were breaking into stores and everything in January in the summer of 2020. And separate than all of this, um, some of the comments that we heard today were there were attorneys who were advising the president about certain things. And also, if you listen to the language today, Jim, everything they were saying was rally, that Trump was advertising a rally. You're allowed to have a rally. You're allowed to have a rally at the Capitol, too. The question is when it turned dead, you know, very dangerous um, and turned violent. But so far, we're not hearing that he directly said, go do this. And that's what makes it very different. What are your thoughts real quick, Jim? Uh, I just I, I think that they're going to find the truth in this matter, and it's going to point to them, and like the Schumer and the Congresswoman. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from DeLand, Florida, where a police sergeant received two awards for rescuing a child struggling to swim near the new Smyrna Beach jetty. Sergeant Tony Tagle was awarded the department's Medal of Valor and the Life-Saving Award. The Medal of Valor is the department's second highest honor. Now, Sergeant Tagle was fishing off the jetty while off-duty when he saw two young children struggling to swim. He immediately jumped in and he saved one child while another beachgoer was helping the second child. DeLand Chief of Police Jason Umberger presented the awards to the sergeant and said that Tagle showed exceptional courage while saving a life. And the chief further said, it shows that we have public servants that are willing to risk their lives for others, even when they are off duty. What a powerful story and about the importance of our great men and women in blue who do so much when they are on and also off duty. Well, we are talking about the January 6th hearing today. Um, At the end of it also, uh, there were comments from Liz Cheney. We're going to get to that in a moment because that was interesting, but we'll see if it's just all verbiage like a lot of the things we've been hearing from the committee. And also there's word that the what may be the final Um, But uh, the next one is going to be uh, July 21st, and that may be in prime time. It's looking like next Thursday night there will be another hearing for January 6th in prime time, and that could possibly be the last one. We don't know. Um, We'll find out, but they keep kind of delaying it. They keep saying, okay, we're going to do it this week, and then they delay it, and then they delay it. Um, So there's a good chance that could be the final one, or they could drag it on some more. And then at that point, maybe will or won't make a referral to DOJ for a charge against the former president of the United States. Obviously, it's up to DOJ. So far, DOJ has looked at a lot of these cases 
and hasn't found anything that directly tied President Trump. Remember, they've charged like 800 people, including one of the guys who testified today, uh, you know, for dis, you know, disorderly conduct, for going into the Capitol. Um, and so far, they haven't found enough to, cha- you know, charge President Trump in any of those cases. But is there something different that the January 6th hearing is doing? Uh, I haven't heard it. And in fact, today uh, we heard from Congressman Raskin, Jamie Raskin, who, by the way, he also uh, questioned the integrity of past elections. He's going after President Trump for questioning the integrity of an election. And yet Raskin and also uh, Benny Thompson, uh, who's the chair of the committee, and a number of others have actually criticized the integrity of of the election and haven't wanted to certify electors in past elections involving Republicans. So I think there is a little bit of hypocrisy there. But here is Jamie Raskin, who read one of the tweets from President Trump. It was after that big heated meeting that we were just talking took place on December 18th. And this is the tweet that he says riled up the Trump base and others. Take a listen. Donald Trump issued a tweet that would galvanize his followers, unleash a political firestorm, and change the course of our history as a country. Trump's purpose was to mobilize a crowd. And how do you mobilize a crowd in 2020? With millions of followers on Twitter, President Trump knew exactly how to do it. At 1.42 a.m. on December 19, 2020, shortly after the last participants left the unhinged meeting, Trump sent out the tweet with his explosive invitation. Trump repeated his big lie and claimed it was, quote, statistically impossible to have lost the 2020 election before calling for a big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there, will be wild. Trump supporters responded immediately. So protest, be there, and it will be wild. I mean, that sounds a lot like a typical tweet from President Trump. I mean, he always had kind of provocative tweets. Um, And that sounds like a typical tweet. Does that sound to you that that is a direct correlation with storming the Capitol and people who committed violence on January 6th? It's still a leap. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But Congressman Raskin said this, too. Listen to what he said. And I find this just so ironic in the climate right now where we have been seeing people who are upset about the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. We've seen all these groups that are supportive of abortion rights, um, a couple of these fringe groups that have been going after pro-life centers, throwing Molotov cocktails, destroying them. We had an assassin who showed up at the home of Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, there's been some pretty serious violence in the last few weeks. And then let's go back to the summer of 2020. I keep bringing that up because Democrats, for the most part, were pretty silent about those protests that took place that were killing people across the country, attacking police officers, destroying businesses in major cities across the country. We all saw those riots. I mean, they were horrible. They didn't say anything. But boy, January 6th is the only sort of movement where there was any sort of riot whatsoever. Right, Jamie Raskin? Take a listen. The problem of politicians whipping up mob violence to destroy fair elections is the oldest domestic enemy of constitutional democracy in America. So politicians shouldn't be riling up the base 
And yet there was President Biden over the weekend, albeit in a tepid form, but he still said those protests should keep going on. And we have not heard from President Biden yet about the assassination attempt against a Supreme Court justice. You are the president of the United States, and you don't think that that action of saying that protests are okay at a time where people are really going too far, you don't think that that gives them basically a green light? I mean, to me, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And some of the comments from other Democrats like Chuck Schumer, like Maxine Waters, we heard some of their inflammatory language. It was much more dramatic and much more inflammatory. And you could make the case, well, what they did could connect to some of these other events of late. And we're going to get to that because that, to me, is pretty, pretty transparent on some of those accounts. If you're going to say that, and I wouldn't necessarily blame them, but you could make the leap that it's a little closer even on their comments and some of the extreme that we have seen. But what also makes it really interesting, if you're going to make the case that the president of the United States was planning this massive takeover of the Capitol with violence and armed and all this other stuff, one thing that has always bothered me about these hearings that we never got the answer to, and it's because, guess what, Nancy Pelosi is not being questioned, nor is the sergeant of arms, nor are a lot of people tied to this case. Because remember this report that they somehow never want to discuss. This was talked about on Hannity last night. Take a listen. That on January 4th, 2021, in a meeting in the Oval Office, the president requested uh, up to 20,000 National Guard troops be made available for security at the Capitol, as the law requires. Four of the five individuals in that meeting have confirmed it on camera. Uh, two testified to that fact before the committee. The committee's never played that for the American people. And remember, Biden's inspector general for the Department of Defense, they did a long investigation into Trump's DOD and their response to January 6th. They not only found no wrongdoing, uh, they said they did everything right. So why have they not played that testimony from the people who said that President Trump was calling for the National Guard to come on out on January 6th? Days before, and individuals who apparently testified before the committee said it under oath, under penalty of perjury, that's serious stuff, said that they were in that meeting along with others who have said that they were in the meeting where President Trump was requesting it. Then the request goes to Capitol Hill, and all we know is it kind of got lost in the Neverland or shut down in the Neverland, more likely. So why did it get shut down? Who shut it down? And if you're going to plan a big insurrection and take over the Capitol, the last thing you're going to do is want to have the National Guard and more security out there. So why was that denied? Why was that ignored or denied? And why don't we have Nancy Pelosi coming up? And why don't we have Muriel Bowser, who's the D.C. mayor? Why don't we have the sergeant of arms? Why don't we have those people? And by the way, speaking of the recent hearing, too, that took place, remember with Cassidy Hutchinson? We, we know now that the Secret Service guys were ready to testify to contradict her testimony, and they've yet to call them. What a surprise. They've yet to call them because it doesn't go against their narrative. That's why. You know, it's not in line with their narrative, rather. They don't want to they don't want to continue anything that would show different than what she testified to. And they're the firsthand witnesses. She's just doing hearsay. She's saying, this is what I heard. These are the guys who were actually there in the car. Remember where uh, President Trump was like Gumby and reached around and tried to, like, get the guy and 
grab his neck and do all that other stuff. And they haven't called them either. So that, to me, I think really hurts them. If they were going to really be a fair hearing, call all these sides. If you have nothing to hide, call all these sides. And by the way, Debbie Lesko, this was really interesting today. During the hearing, they played this call that Debbie Lesko made, uh, the congresswoman from Arizona, Republican from uh, Arizona. It was a voice message that she left basically asking for additional security before January 6th, saying, listen, things look like they're getting heated, they're getting riled up. Um, I, we really should talk about security. Take a listen to this, because this was played today during the hearing. This is Cut 23. I also have to come up with a safety plan for members. I'm actually very concerned about this because we have who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people coming here. We have Antifa. Uh, we also have, quite honestly, Trump supporters who actually believe that we are going to overturn the election. And when that doesn't happen, most likely will not happen, they are going to go nuts. And that is a supporter of President Trump. Debbie Lesko is a, a close ally of President Trump. She's saying we need to get security, guys. We need to think about this. So why, why were Congress sort of flat-footed? So they seemed. And why were there no National Guard out there if there are a number of individuals who have apparently, according to different reports, testified under oath and said that there was National Guard, that the president wanted ten to 20,000 National Guard being called, that he wanted to make sure things were peaceful. And today, we didn't hear him say, I want you to take over the Capitol and protest and beat people up. They just said, we'd like you to come out to a rally. And it's going to be a wild day, but we want you to come out to a rally. So, I mean, to me, this just doesn't make sense. And I feel that they have done a tremendous disservice by us not hearing the other side to the story, to getting these witnesses who are saying this is what the president said. Why are we not hearing it? Why is Nancy Pelosi not answering? Why are they just making it so blatantly one-sided and not allowing the real story to get out or the full story to get out? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don in Long Beach. Don, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. First of all, I want to give you a compliment for handling that call from Ted. You showed a lot of class. I would have slammed the receiver down on him. You allowed him to stay on the line, and I, I think that's really classy of you. And you are a very good, a great journalist, so I just want to say that. Thank you, Don. Um, Thank you. I, and sure. you heard what I said. At least I don't have to have lunch with him. He's having lunch with somebody. Can you imagine that guy? That the, yeah. Boy, would that be a painful lunch, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just want to reiterate something you've been saying, that I, I think it's all Nancy Pelosi's fault because, yes, uh, she could have agreed to have the National Guard uh, present, and that probably would have uh, softened uh, the entire process. But another thing that just came to mind is I'm just wondering after, and I'm assuming the Republicans are going to sweep the congressional elections in the fall, I'm just wondering if there'll be a, a backlash where they may conduct some sort of a hearing. I don't know, you know, I, and I really don't want to see that. It's very disruptive, but I'm just wondering at that point, you know, if they'll uh, question Pelosi or revisit this. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. That's a great point. Um, you know, it, it could go either way, Don. I mean, I think at some point they would love to put her under oath and force her to give an answer and others, too. You know, and I think the American public deserves the answer to that question. 
You know, why was there not extra security? We even heard today by their own testimony that they were worried about uh, just all the people coming and and worried about a potential for violence. So it's an obvious question, even if you're not even worried. And I, I said this on the air, Don, that even if you're not worried about violence, if you're going to have a huge crowd. You want to have a lot of security regardless. And there definitely were people that were riled up um, by their by their emotions, you know, of the moment, just like you're seeing now with the Roe v. Wade. I mean, there are different people that are riled up and and take things to extreme. And so you want to have extra security. And why do we not know the answer to a basic question like that? So they may go there or they may just say, you know, this is just all politics. It's ridiculous. Let's move on. Um, I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, part of me, I hope they do pursue at least the part with Nancy Pelosi and the security stuff, because that to me right away, I think, just completely contradicts their narrative about President Trump wanting this, you know, massive storming of the Capitol and this massive violent attack and violence against everybody. And it just doesn't make any sense if he actually did indeed, as people are saying, um, that he actually wanted the National Guard out there. And if you listen to his verbiage, it was peacefully, you know, patriotically. If you listen to the words that he said that day, uh, you know, it's not there. So I hope that we do get the answers. I hope America gets the answers because otherwise we just get this one-sided opinion and we never get the real answers. And and I think it's doing a tremendous disservice to all of us. Uh, What are your thoughts, Don? Do you think they should or do you think they shouldn't if they get the house? Uh, Again, it's very, you know, it would be very disruptive, but... Um, you know, what's fair is fair. I mean, you know, it was a dereliction of duty on her part. And I'm also thinking, you know, that Dur- the Durham investigation is still underway also. So you could have, and I hate to use this word, like retribution. I hate to use that. But there could be a lot more going on after the fall going in the opposite direction. Um, you know, I, I, I'd i like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like to see uh, – uh, some some activity on the Republicans. They're usually pretty quiescent, you know, when it comes to uh, things of that nature. But I think maybe we we should. And if, if there's wrongdoing on the on the Democratic side, it should be brought out. Yeah, and I think just it's, it's an important question because if there are questions that people genuinely have on all sides, and I and I think the facts need to come out wherever they go, wherever the facts lie. Let's go, but don't just take a one-sided view and send a microscope. I mean, even the way they're like cutting like a surgeon through his like through his text messages, too. I mean, if you look at the way they were playing his text messages and his speeches, it's like they leave out the part about peacefully, patriotically. And they said, oh, there was nothing that he did to try to temper the flames. And there was nothing that, you know, it's like I mean, if you look at a lot of the things that he said that they cut out, they were positive to him and they didn't want that in there, clearly. I mean, so it, it's it's very questionable, so many of these things. And that's why it's a shame that we're not hearing the other side, because I actually think it would be a much better and much more informative hearing. Don, thank you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
And we are talking about the January 6th hearings here on the Rita Cosby Show. And people are obviously quite passionate about it, as they were on January 6th. And obviously my callers are too tonight. But I love hearing from all of you guys. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan on line six. Go ahead, Stan, your thoughts. Rita, Teddy, if you're listening, big mistake. I'm going to take out Rita for dinner at Candlelight at Smith and Walensky's, and we're going to dance to Bobby Vinton music. Oh, my goodness. Stan, you have won my heart. When you said Bobby Vinton, you know I'm Polish. It's a cola means that I love you. That's what we need to hear tonight anyway. Stan, thank you. I knew that you had chivalry. I knew that you would defend my honor. Rita, (laughs) one thing. Did you not hear Congresswoman What's her name? I forgot her name. I kept forgetting it. Uh, Congresswoman Cheney say very loudly towards the end that it was the vice president who called for troops, not the president. She said it. I heard it. He he called for it. The president didn't call for anything. That's what, uh, by the way, Stan, that's what she reportedly said, all right? But that's not what other people are saying, that they were in the meeting that he did, and he may have even directed, by the way, the vice president, because that would be a normal situation as well, that he could have certainly you tell the vice president to carry out certain actions. But if you look at people that were in this meeting, according to a whole bunch of reports on January 4th, the president was calling for it. So maybe the vice president was doing it independently, or more likely he might have been following somebody else's direction. But why is she not putting these other people who say that it was Trump who was calling? Why are we not hearing them, Stan? I mean, that's you, you've heard what I said. They're doing today. a disservice. They're doing a disservice by not telling the I full don't think story. There's no disservice at all. Those two people that testified today from the uh, pre- those two people who were there. Was now, by the, by the way, Stan, Stan, testimony. Stan, and listen, I thought it was pretty chilling. Some of the the one guy, uh, the one who is the former head of the uh, Oath Keepers. But guess what? He left in 2016. He wasn't there. He was ta- He was guy who left the group and talked about the type of group that they were. And again, pres- it wasn't President Trump's campaign. It wasn't President Trump. He was talking about this, this group that was there and that was a very sort of militant group and the way they operated and all that. But he wasn't there. The only guy who was there was the other guy, uh, and that was the Steve Ayers guy, And he got charged with disorderly conduct. And the best they got out of him was, you know, maybe I might not have been there if I didn't think the election, um, you know, had uh, issues with it. And had I not sort of got caught up in this moment or whatever. But that was the best. When I heard, I thought that's the best you got. You went after 800 people. They had 800 people that were charged. And this was the best you got. Like to me, I thought, boy, they're in trouble if this is their big kahuna. Well, I got news for you. It ain't over till it's over, and there's still more to, to hear. And so, and now we know that the president, Mr. Trump, the ex-president, tried to pressure somebody. He called them up, tampering with a witness. Yeah, that's that what could she. Could be by a the nail way, in the coffin, and that could be interesting, Stan. I will give you that one. When I heard her say that at the end, she kind of always does it like a little tease. Like, here's what's the tease, and maybe we'll hear about it at the hearing next week. Um, but we'll see what that is. I, I just feel like a lot of the stuff we've heard, uh, the goods aren't backed up. And even this Cassidy Hutchinson, who testified last week, they didn't bring the drivers in who actually totally contradict her story. 
So, I mean, you know, I take a lot of stuff that she says with a grain of salt. She clearly has a vendetta for the president. And let's see where it goes. Let's see. You're right. Let's see where it goes. But right now, uh, I don't think they got it. But I, I have to ask you, when you take me to dinner, are you buying champagne, too? Or what well, are you, you buying? Know, I buy champagne and a good steak. Oh, Stan, I knew I did well with you. Thank you, Stan. I love you, and I love your calls. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. Stan's taking me to dinner. I knew there'd be a kumbaya tonight. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. And we're talking about the January 6th hearing, and there looks like there's at least one more that's going to take place next week in prime time. But is it all politics, and is there anything that's the goods that could actually be a crime? A lot of the legal scholars and some, you know, that are pretty much a lot of times negative Trump came out today and said they're not sure if there was anything there. They didn't think there was. And in fact, there were a number of Democrats who even came out after the hearing today and said, yeah, it was dramatic and a lot emotion and, you know, powerful and interesting to hear. But was there anything that actually ties the president to violence at the Capitol of individuals that went in? And we were just talking. There was one guy who testified there who got charged with disorderly conduct because he entered the Capitol when he shouldn't have on on January 6th. And I'm thinking that's the best you got. You had 800 plus people that you charged and you're trying to show that these actions, actions of violence are tied directly to President Trump. And you bring in a guy who gets charged with disorderly conduct and basically says, well, you know, I don't know if I would have been there if I didn't really believe that there were issues with the election. And, you know, and I just saw a lot of stuff on social media. I mean, that's the best you got. Boy, are the Democrats in trouble. But if you heard some of the rhetoric, you think they got an ace in the hole. Take a listen. This is Congressman Jamie Raskin, who in 2016 questioned President Trump's election. That's the irony of it all. But says President Trump shouldn't question the election in 2020. And he says that President Trump is like the worst monster on earth. Take a listen. American carnage. That's Donald Trump's true legacy. His desire to overthrow the people's election and seize the presidency interrupted the counting of electoral college votes for the first time in American history, nearly toppled the constitutional order and brutalized hundreds and hundreds of people. The Watergate break-in was like a Cub Scout meeting compared to this assault on our people and our institutions. I mean, the way you were listening to him, you would have thought that Trump was like uh, John Gotti. You know, I mean, it was like, bring him over here. Let's let's take care of the guy. You know, I mean, this is what President Trump had to say. And this is what they played, even taking out some of the stuff that wasn't helpful to the January 6th committee and making their case. The stuff where President Trump said, go peacefully, patriotically, all that that's cut out. But this is the worst they got on President Trump's speech on January 6th. Take a listen again. Because you'll never... 
take back our country with weakness, you have to show strength and you have to be strong. So I hope Mike has the courage to do what he has to do. And I hope he doesn't listen to the rhinos and the stupid people that he's listening to. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. But we're going to try and give our Republicans the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. And guess what? And let's peacefully and patriotically protest. That's not what was in there. They cut it out. And if you're going to play that game, that words have actions, then let's play this. This is Maxine Waters. Remember when she wasn't happy about a number of decisions? Take a listen to Democrat Maxine Waters. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And let's not forget Chuck Schumer on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court. Take a listen to this one. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. You won't know what hit you. And then we know that an assassin shows up at the home of Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, to me, this is so frightening and so scary that that incendiary rhetoric, if you're going to make it sound, who's to say that that didn't rile somebody up to show up at the house or to firebomb, as we know, there have been Molotov cocktails sent to pro-life centers. And when they've seen the president of the United States not condemning the protests, even the ones outside the justices' homes, he hasn't also said anything about the attack on Kavanaugh, the planned attack by an assassin that was armed and showed up at his home. He hasn't said a word about that. That, to me, is shameful. And, in fact, when he was asked about it, this is what he had to say just this Sunday. Do you have a message, Mr. President, for women who were protesting outside the White House yesterday? Yes, keep protesting um, because keep making your point. It's critically important. We can do a lot of things to accommodate the rights of women in the meantime. But fundamentally, the only thing that's going to change this is if we have a national law that reinstates Roe v. Wade. That's the bottom line. Everything else, we can get pieces of it. And I'm trying to do that. Keep protesting. And I'm not going to say anything about an assassin who showed up at the home of Brett Kavanaugh. And also, what about Nancy Pelosi during the, quote, summer of love in 2020 when there were protests all over the places and cities across America were burning and police officers were being beaten and many people were killed? That off-duty officer, remember, was killed also. And a number of other people were killed, billions of dollars worth of damage. And then they asked Nancy Pelosi, what's your message to the protesters? And, of course, the right answer is stop, stop hurting innocent people. Stop burning down businesses. And she says they should keep protesting. I I mean, are you kidding me? And yet nobody went back to Chuck Schumer and said, you're responsible for this. Nobody went back to Maxine Waters and said, you are directly responsible to this. Nobody went back to Nancy Pelosi and said, 
you are directly responsible for all the burning and looting and the tons of deaths that took place in that summer. So, you know, this is really, you know, such utter hypocrisy from the Democrats. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm on line two. Norm, your thoughts. Yes, my thoughts are first thing uh, concerning Teddy. I'm sorry that I dedicated a song to that son of a bitch on the uh, on the uh, Cousin Brucey show last week. So anyway, uh, he does not know how to talk to a lady. And uh, don't compare yourself to Stan, who I'm not a fan of, but generally knows how to talk uh, without, uh, you know, being so disgusting. So... Well, you yeah, know what? You know what? I, I always feel like, Norm, despite obviously uh, Teddy um, clearly, you know, has some personal issues. But mm-hmm. I also always love hearing different people's opinion, whether I agree with them or not. Yes. Um, you know, and, and no matter how crazy and kooky or nasty in the case of Teddy. Um, but I still mm-hmm. think it's interesting to have people different opinions. It's America. Yes, and, yes, I, and I like yes, my show to be a town hall for everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. But, uh, you know, I mean, a caller like Nokel who calls up who doesn't agree with any conservative issue whatsoever, at least he maintains his humanity and acts like a gentleman. And I, me as a listener, I don't like to hear you being insulted, you well, know, or thank any host you. being insulted. Thank you. And, and you now, know what? Okay, I, concerning... I, don't, I don't take it personally because clearly Teddy okay. uh, is like, you know, you know, eating, uh, you know, lemonade without sugar. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't have to live with the guy and I don't have. And by the way, I got a free dinner out of Stan out of the deal, Norm. So that wasn't a bad one, right? (laughs) Well, I I don't know. Rita, you could have a free dinner out of me also. Oh, hey, perfect, perfect. How about you? And we're going to Peter Luger's. Now, how about you and Stan uh, and me together? How about that? How would that work? That's wonderful. That's wonderful. and and, And we'll call Teddy on the phone. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it'd be, it'd be just a, a marvelous evening. Yes, I'll do a lot of drugs that evening. Anyway, um, <laughs> Me too, Norm. <laughs> and yes. I don't do yes. drugs, but I might try. Yes. If I had to go to dinner with Teddy or call Teddy, I might. <laughs> yes. Norm, right. thank, you're right. awesome, Norm. Thank you very, very much. You're great. Let's go to Frank on line three. Frank, go ahead. Yes, uh, Rita. Uh, Z Frank from Astoria. Rita. Um, you know, Donald Trump, You. it seems that you don't really defend Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't need any defense from anyone. But, you know, if I look at the history of uh, Trump's administration and I see how he was uh, exonerated from two impeachments by the senatorial managers, you know, it was pretty close to the bo- uh, all, all the four charges, the votes that were in, in both impeachment trials. You kind of say that, you know, Donald Trump is not Harry Houdini, but... He, many Democrats, I, I don't speak for all Democrats, but they seem to assume that he is a, a shyster that can get away with anything. And not because he has money or anything, but because of his his way of seeing life and his character, and they, they, they don't like that. That's what I believe, and I think that, you know, what's going on in this, the senatorial hit hearings is important for all of us. And I also see now, to but let me let me ask you, do you I, I'm a little confused by some of your messages. Do you believe in Jan in this committee that there's merit to what they're doing or or do you believe it's all just political show like some of the past things? I want to believe there's a merit, uh, but it seems like it's just a war of words. 
it's uh, either Hutchinson against the Secret Service. It's either Donald Trump saying that that didn't happen. You know, it's a war of words. There's, yeah, and, and so Frank, far, Frank, Frank by the way, Frank, I agree with you. I That's what I've been saying tonight. I agree with you that right now, I mean, the fact that you brought up Cassidy Hutchinson, who was the woman who said that, you know, that uh, she heard that he lunged for the officer, the Secret Service officer, and the driver – and, you know, was getting really angry and swearing and all this other stuff. And and those two agents immediately um, came out and said, we're ready to testify under oath and said that didn't happen. Um, so I always would like to give any president and anybody, by the way, the benefit of the doubt. And so I agree with you, unless if it comes down to a, you know, uh, a war of words, one side says this, but you already have witnesses that are being refuted. And in the case of tonight, I don't see anything. I just played what he said. I just played what he said that they thought was so damning. And if you listen to what they say is so damning, I don't think it's anywhere near what Schumer said or what Maxine Waters said. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, to me, you know, politicians speak like, you know, uh, you got to fight. You got to fight. That doesn't mean, you know, you got to pick up arms. That means you got to fight for what you believe in. That doesn't mean, you know, that's the most that even was there. The rest of it was like peacefully, patriotically protest. I mean, how are you, how are they leaping from that? And I just think you do a tremendous disservice when you're going after somebody like the president of the United States. Now, the former president of the United States, um, you better have a 110% case, not a 1% or 2% case. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to end with this because I, I really am a little frustrated with the fact that, you know, I remember in the days when uh, maybe they're good friends now, now President Biden would interrogate uh, Clarence Thomas in the senatorial. He was the Senate Foreign Intelligence Committee chairperson, and those were very strong things that now President Biden used to ask Clarence Thomas at those meetings about Anita Baker. So this is very frustrating. Anita Hill. Anita Baker's wait, Frank, Frank, Anita Baker's the singer. You mean Anita Hill, who was I remember Anita that. Hill, sorry, I'm yeah, a little bit confused. <laughs> no, but you're right. Yeah, that's what I Frank, you and I are hitting it on the head on the same points because to me the hypocrisy is really stunning. Um and the the you know, it's what's good for them. Um, you know, it doesn't work if it's on the other side. And that's why I also brought up that Jamie Raskin and Benny Thompson and a number of other Democrats disputed elections in the past. They have disputed elections where a Republican won in the past, whether it was President Trump or others, refusing to agree to those electors, to accept those electors. And that's what they are accusing President Trump of. And they're saying that his language was directly tied to creating that he absolutely wanted violence and, and mob rule at the Capitol and the whole to do. And I'm making the I just played those comments from the Democrats that, boy, were very, you know, incendiary. And, you know, now we know that there were people who who obviously who committed violent acts and to, to connect those two is a leap to as well. I just think, you know, I think obviously you want to have people that have calm verbiage but you can't accuse a former president if you don't have direct evidence, and I'm not seeing it yet. Real quick, your thoughts, Frank, on that? Absolutely. I, I think that we need uh, concrete evidence, but the, certain of the investigators are, are, are absolutely convinced that uh, someone's 
or someone's going to come out of the open, which they cannot actually do under these protocols to come in and testify against President Trump. And they actually believe that some miraculous form of evidence will be presented that will demonstrate that Donald Trump actually said or actually did something when, you know, if God forbid they find something like that, I think they won't find something like that. I mean, I feel sorry for President Trump if they actually find something of that nature. And so far, it seems that there hasn't been any type of, you know, as they say in the courtroom, bona fide uh, information or evidence that can link him to those uh, assaults in the Capitol. Yeah, no, I 1,000 percent agree. I think right now uh, it's not showing it. I agree. Thank you very, very much, Frank. And in fact, I want to play. This is Andy McCarthy, uh, former, you know, he's in the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office. This is cut 28. And this is what he had to say. He's not actually always a fan of President Trump, but this was his assessment of today's hearings and the hearings so far. I think the goal is to show that Trump is unfit for office. And I, I can't help but think that this is what we should have seen 17 months ago during the impeachment proceedings. And it doesn't advance a criminal case. If they're trying to show he's unfit, then, you know, Thompson talked about dereliction of duty at the end there. That was exactly the impeachment case that they should have brought but didn't bring. But Annie McCarthy, at the end of the day, again, not a Trump fan, said, but no criminal case. And that's what this is about. Uh, Frank, thanks so much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And then also, by the way, in about 10 minutes, we have one of my favorite segments, Support Our Heroes. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about today's January 6th hearings, which was very emotional and fireworks with comments and things like that from all the anti-Trump committee members, not a single one asking questions for the president. And again, I think that's a huge disservice. And at the end of the day, Jonathan Turley, who usually calls it like he sees it, uh, the good constitutional scholar, this is how he assessed the hearing today. I think the most telling moment at the end was Congressman Raskin saying, well, the question is, where do we go from here? And I was Mm -hmm. waiting for that answer uh, because it was Raskin and others saying, this is all about a criminal case, that we believe we have evidence of a crime. Uh, We have one hearing to go, and that case has not been made, at least not completely. But people see different things in this testimony. You had Harvard professor Lawrence Tribe who said that Tribe could could be actually charged with attempted murder of Vice President Pence. And that just shows you how really extreme people can take this evidence and, frankly, detach themselves from the criminal code. Yeah, and that is the bottom line. And that's what the Department of Justice has to look at if they get a referral and they may act on their own and do something. On the other hand, this Department of Justice uh, didn't really say anything, remember, also about the attack on the attempted attack on Kavanaugh. So who knows? They are pretty political, too. So who knows where this is going to go? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete on line three. Go ahead, Pete. Your thoughts about all this. Hi, Rita. Boy, it's turning into date night. I mean, 
when I heard Stan tell you to go to Smith and Walensky's, and now I heard Norman, my buddy, who I've been out with, and boy, he's not afraid to spend money. That's for sure. But anyway. So uh, are, are you coming maybe? too, Pete? Are you going to come on the dinner too yeah, as well? Exactly. I'll come with Renee. We'll come. We'll make a nice night of it. We'll have a good time. There we go. But we have to call Teddy on the phone and we have to, some, uh, we don't want him. We don't want him sitting there, but we'll call him. (laughs) I got a call from uh, Anthony from Grimaldi's and Frankie Russo at the same time on a conference call. So I just went off for like 10 minutes and I didn't hear Teddy. Oh my God. Yeah. He's, he is quite a character. And by the way, I love those two guys who you just talked about, Frankie and, and Tony, you got to give them my best. Um, Real quick, Pete, your thoughts about January 6th real quick. Yeah, uh, come again. I read out your, your, your thoughts about the hearing today. Uh, people saying it's still not enough direct evidence. Go ahead. Uh, it's, 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 ain't nobody testifying on the uh, opposite part for the Republicans. And this is, this is a sham. Uh, Cheney's daughter, is she a Republican? Now, she don't act like one. She acts like she's a Democrat. I mean, totally. You know, John McCain was a hero. But the thing is, uh, what, what happened, they had disagreement, uh, Trump and him, you know, but I still am uh, proud of John McCain. Oh, abs- and by the way, about. Pete, I 1000 percent, you know, I John McCain, what he went through is just extraordinary. And I agree. He is a hero. Um, and your point about Liz Cheney. Yeah, she is a Republican. But boy, she has it out for Trump. Uh, she doesn't like that he criticized her father about the Iraq war. And now it's like she's just out on a vendetta. It's clear. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment here on the Rita Cosby Show, which I love doing every night where we honor our great military and their families. This is a powerful story coming from a veteran near Tallahassee, Alabama. And this veteran says he's doing what he can to help a fellow soldier in Ukraine now that this man's assistance is also now being recognized, by the way, by the Ukrainian government. 71-year-old Gregory Dubay is a retired lieutenant colonel who's now a medical doctor in Tallahassee, Alabama. This highly decorated military veteran served for 40 years, including time in the Vietnam War, suffering injuries like the loss of his hearing after serving in Operation Desert Storm. He said if he do if he could do it all over again, he would do it regardless of the cost. Now, years before Russia invaded Ukraine, Dubay became friends with a man named Andre from Ukraine, and the two have kept in touch over the years, messaging every few months, sending pictures about their families. And when Dubay heard about the invasion of Ukraine, he immediately thought of his friend Andre and his pregnant wife Mila. He said, I was so shocked. He had messaged me about being activated and that his primary job was the defense of Kiev. So with food supplies becoming scarce in the war-torn country, Dubay knew that he had to help. Over the last few months, he has sent nearly 30 boxes of food and supply to the couple, along with things that the Ukrainian army can use, like tactical gloves, binoculars, and two-way radios, so that Andre can communicate with his subordinates without interception from the Russians. 
He said, if I'm assisting another soldier who's having a tough time, if I'm serving, well, the Ukrainians seem to think so. And to Dubé's surprise, he received a medal in the mail from the Ukrainian government as a big thank you. It's the Ukrainian cross, glory and merit. Apparently, he says, Andre recommended him for this award. And he says also, Dubé, that I want Ukraine to be free. And I said, I'm just simply doing my duty. What a powerful and beautiful story tying an American veteran with someone who is fighting for freedom over there in Ukraine. And he's still doing his part there trying to help those in need. What a great, great story. I love sharing that story here on The Rita Cosby Show. And we, of course, are talking about January 6th and the hearings that took place today. Everybody's talking about them. And there were some moments and some colorful moments, one of them, including with Rudy Giuliani. They played some testimony of Rudy Giuliani uh, testifying before the committee. It was on video, so they just ran a little snippet of it. And where Rudy was recounting a meeting that took place in mid-December where there was a variety of different opinions, where a lot of people said, hey, Mr. President, you should keep fighting this, fight the election results, you need to keep going. And there were others who said, no, it's time to hang it up. And this is the way that Rudy described the president's sentiment, basically, that day. I'm going I'm to categorically describe it as you guys are not tough enough. Or maybe I put it another way, you're a bunch of Excuse the expression, but that, that's I, I'm almost certain the word was used. Flynn screamed at me that I was a quitter and everything kept on standing up and turning around and screaming at me. And at a certain point, I had it with him. So I yelled back, either come over or sit your effing ass back down. Wow. It certainly sounds like a fiery times at the White House. And that was a meeting on December 18th. And then they said Trump put out the tweet saying, hey, we're going to have a rally. You know, come on out, whatever. It's going to be wild. That was December 19th, a few hours after this meeting, this very contentious meeting. And then they also pointed to the committee saying, first off, well, it was because he was upset at the, you know, the meeting that he put out that tweet, that he was encouraging supporters. And then they point to this comment from Steve Bannon on a podcast. Now, remember, Steve Bannon no longer worked for the president. He was on a podcast just speaking his mind. And this is what he had to say that the committee says is just damning evidence of President Trump being involved in a massive violent riot. Take a listen. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. It's all converging. And now we're on, as they say, the point of attack, right? The point of attack tomorrow. I'll tell you this. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen. Okay, it's going to be quite extraordinarily different. And all I can say is strap in. All I can say is strap in. Well, that's a podcast host. That's Steve Bannon speaking his mind and saying all heck is going to break loose. That doesn't mean that he's expecting, uh, you know, some riot or expecting uh, violence or any of that. But that seems to be the best they got right now between that And showing that the president was frustrated with different opinions from legal experts. Clearly, a lot of them saying, no, the election's over. Some saying, no, it's not. And him obviously wanting to hear that side. So, I mean, you know, it's there are so many questions here. And this is the best they got to go after a former president of the United States right now. You know, more than a year later. I don't think so. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Larry, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. You know, my question is, how long have they been trying to get President Trump? You see, they re- they don't realize what fools they're making of themselves, especially Liz Cheney. This guy is so smart. They think he's stupid because he's a businessman that became president. They're the morons. They're convening illegal committees, star chambers. Uh, it's like a fixed horse race. And not only that, but any individual uh, controversy, such as the, uh, the protests against the Supreme Court, intimidation of Supreme Court judges, that in itself is an insurrection. And they're fomenting it. By lack of prosecuting, that's called terrorism. In fact, the FBI has a definition, I'll read it on the air another time, of domestic terrorism. And the Democrats fill, the Democratic government, fill the, their own FBI's definition of domestic terrorists. That's what they are. So this, this whole thing, this whole thing is a big joke. And I want to say something else. Liz Cheney hates Trump for a different reason because she's a Republican. This woman is so. If you look at her face, she is so sexually hung up. It's not funny. I mean, she hates Trump because he allegedly trivialized women uh, during his career as as a businessman. She can't get over it. I mean, I thought sexual hangups went out already uh, in, in the 80s. Oh, so, I mean, so two things, Larry. First off, you know what's interesting is Trump actually hired many women in his uh, offices. I mean, that was one thing that, you know, there. I hear a number of people say that. But it's interesting because, you know, there are many, many people that were women that worked for him um, that were very happy and many of them in very, very senior positions. He actually hired a lot of women. Um, so it's interesting. But see, I, I think a lot of it goes back clearly to her father. I think that she is angry because Trump really did question the Iraq war. He questioned the decision to go in. He said that, you know, it shouldn't have happened. Um, and he went after Bush and Cheney and Cheney sort of one of the architects of it. And I think that that is as much of it. And then, you know, she went after him and then she went back and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very personal, but that's not why you go after the president of the United States on potentially criminal charges and do this a year and a half later, unless you have the goods. I mean, if you're going to go after any president of the United States, you better have 110% goods. And so far uh, I don't see it. And many legal scholars do not see it whatsoever. Lair, thank you. Great to talk with you. Um, let's go to Al, line two. Al, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, Al. Yeah, hi, Rita. You know, I just wanted to say uh, in regards to the committee uh, investigating the former president, you know, I don't, I don't think anything will come about. Uh, I don't think there's a smoking gun. Uh, I do think that if the Justice Department or the Attorney General tries anything, I think that would just uh, mobilize the base for the for, uh, supporters of Trump more so in states that are crucial to take over the, the U.S. Senate again, like in Ohio. I mean, as you know, uh, J.D. Vance would never have won the primary without Donald Trump's uh, endorsement. I hope J.D. Vance realizes that. And I just think, again, that if anything does come about where they do try to uh, give a problem to the president, the former president, I think it would just mobilize the base more in states like, of course, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia with Herschel Walker.
You know so that you know it's it's interesting about. you say that, Al, because I think a lot of this is politics. I mean, what we're seeing is I think they're trying to do whatever they can to make sure. Um, it's interesting that you believe that if they go after him, that they're it's going to mobilize them. Um, and I think I think either way they see Trump as a major political threat. Um, and I think they I think more so they don't want him to run, even though they sometimes say, oh, we'd love for him to run because we'll beat him, you know, kind of thing is yes. what they say. Um, but I also think they don't want him to run, because if you look at some of the latest polls and this is there was a New York Times one, not that it was today where it showed that he is still overwhelmingly the most popular Republican. If it says if you were to run again and Trump got 49 percent, DeSantis was the next close one. And it was like 20 in the 20s. And then yes. the rest were single digits. So, you know, they still see him as someone who can galvanize uh, the base one way or the other, you know, um, to yeah, your point. Um, and so that's interesting. Al, thank you very, very thank much. You. Let's go to Wilfred, uh, New Jersey. Go ahead, Wilfred. Line four. Hi. Yes, I wanted to tell you about the uh, January the 6th is a um, – it's a fake, just like the, the uh, impeachment one, impeachment two, the Hillary Clinton, Russian spy. So you just you just think that this is sort of like a continuation, phase three, which is what it's interesting. A lot of people call it impeachment three. It seems like it's like, OK, let's try now. Let's throw another dart and see what this one, see what happens with this one. Very interesting. Let's go to Dimitri in Colorado. Dimitri, you're here on the Rita Cosby show. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Um, glad uh, glad to talk to you. First time caller. Um, not to worry. Nothing's going to happen. One of your colleagues wrote a wonderful book called American Marxism. And so what you're dealing with is American Marx, American Marxists trying to take Trump down. And this is nothing but a Stalinist show trial. And they are what Lenin called useful idiots. And you know why they're not going to charge him with anything? Because if they do take him to trial, then they'll have to have to have cross-examination and his legal scholars will undress them for the fools that they are. Nothing will happen to Trump. He will be as free as a bird. And I will call you back on the show and tell you again, nothing to worry about, Rita. Uh, Dimitri, thank you for the call and thank you for your perspective. Great. Let's go to Alex on line two. Alex, where do you think this is headed? Dimitri thinks uh, they're never going to want it to go to trial because then you would have to show the other side because that's only fair, and that's what should have happened in this process, too. Go ahead, Alex. You know, this is my this is my first time hearing that from this last caller, and I think he's absolutely right. I didn't think of that. He's completely right. They wouldn't yeah, take I thought that's a great point. Them. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. point. Absolutely. But I wanted to say that in one of the opening statements on, by today's this January 6th um, hearing, one of the people, I forgot the name, said that white supremacists and Proud Boys wanted to take over the Capitol. But he refused to mention Antifa members that were absolutely we know that they were there at the Capitol. And I think they did that because they think that if you're on their side of the aisle like Antifa is, then the law doesn't apply to you. And they're not going to condemn what Antifa did on January 6th. And I also think that they didn't want to mention Antifa because if they call Antifa out for their actions on January 6th of 2021, but they don't call them out for the summer of violence, it looks a lot worse than they look at already by calling out white supremacists on January 6th and not Antifa on, in the summer of 2020, because if you call out Antifa for what they did on January 6th and not in the summer of 2020, that's really, you know, 
really weird and re- really. Yeah, double standard, double standard, double standard. And and the fact that also, if you look at some of the problems that were happening in summer 2020, my God, that was that to me clearly was violence and riots. And yet they wanted to think it's like Mother Teresa was out there. And that's where, you know, they lost they lost a lot of people by not, you know, admitting what we could all see with our own two eyes. Um, real quick, let's go to Dave on line one from Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, Ari. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, one of the things I just wanted to make a complaint about, even with some of the conservative news outlets, not the commentators, but referring to the committee as the uh, select January 6th committee, it should really report it as the part, you know, select Democratic Party partisan January 6th committee. And, I, and if you want to leave out kangaroo committee, kangaroo, I'll be, I'll be fine with that. But I, I hate to see being dignified as some kind of valid uh you know, investigative congressional committee of, of any sort. No, that's a not. great point, Dave. That's a great point because you're right. Sometimes on some media outlets say the bipartisan committee. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like you think uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are more brutal to Trump than most of the Democrats, that that's bipartisan. And again, all of them picked by Nancy Pelosi. Does that say bipartisan to you? I, I agree with you. It should be the partisan you know, uh, commit January 6th select committee or the uh, uh, fully Democratic sided, one sided Democratic, you know, at least at least put it for what it is so people can put it into context and make decisions on their own mind. Dave, thank you very, very much. You know, um, before we go tonight, I want to take your calls also on something that was really disturbing that just came out a few hours ago. And it's making a lot of headlines. And I don't know if you have seen the video, but it's so disturbing in the Uvalde, Texas school case. Um, They have just released the video. And we've talked about this case on the show a lot because there were so many mistakes made by law enforcement. Remember when Steve McCraw, who is head of the Texas Department of Public Safety, said this almost immediately after that horrible school shooting took place in Uvalde, Texas. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. And he said they were an abject failure, abject failure. Well, now the video is showing exactly what many have also already surmised. But to see the video is unbelievable. Just to give you a sense, uh, basically... Uh, They are waiting. Then there's gunshots and a number of officers are retreating as opposed to running toward the gunfire. We're also seeing that one guy at one point is getting hand sanitizer as there's still the shooting going on. He's getting hand sanitizer. That to me is like one of the worst things I've ever seen. Who is thinking about their dirty hands at a time like that? And then finally, at an hour 17 Border Patrol agents take down the gunman. But there is a huge wait from once they get the shield to when they go in to when they're just sitting around in the hallways. It at least looks really bad. And I want to take your calls on what you think should be the repercussions of this. What are the lessons for this? We're such huge supporters of law enforcement. Um, and I always am a big fan of our men and women in blue. But the footage tonight is so bad. And to see that one of these officers 
is actually in there getting hand sanitizer at a time where the gunman's there. And there are reports, and you can see it, that apparently this girl is calling over and over again saying, please help, please help, please help, calling about five different times as well as others. So they knew that this was still going on. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls about that when we come back. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are now talking about the Uvalde school shooting here on The Rita Cosby Show because the new video just came out a few hours ago, and it is hard to watch. It's disturbing to watch. I'm such a fan of law enforcement, uh, but there were some huge mistakes that looked like they were made here. And if you see the video, at some of our worst fears. You see them sort of standing around. You see at one point a guy getting hand sanitizer while he's in the hallway. Uh, another, like, just kind of with their weapons, just kind of standing around. And meanwhile, the shooting was continuing in the classroom. People were calling in saying, please help us. And they did finally get a shield, but then it took another 30 minutes after they got the shield to actually use the shield, you know, which protects them from this, you know, high-powered weaponry. Uh, it is stunning. And, of course, it's heartbreaking when you see what happened. And the end result, 19 kids killed two teachers. And there are so many angry family members tonight in Uvalde, and understandably so. What are your thoughts about this? one 800 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Patrick in Virginia. Patrick, uh, what are your thoughts as you hear what's on the video that uh, just got released? It's the the you know surveillance footage. Yes, ma'am. Um, I watched the video probably about forty minutes ago, and uh, you know the the whole video in general is just kind of sickening. But you know it really uh, got to me probably about not even five minutes in once you know the individual enters the school and you see not even minutes later. I mean, first it's maybe at least six to eight cops just running in there not a hundred feet from the doorway they hear these shots going on and with the exception of two who kind of get close to the door the rest of them don't do anything i mean at one point literally one guy standing on the corner pistol in one hand and pulls out his phone to send a text to whoever you know i get that for a family member but again you know you you can hear shots going off in a classroom and some of the edited videos you cannot hear it but it, it states that there are children screaming that they had to edit out of it It's just that, and then when it gets to the point of fully armed and armored individuals in that hallway, literally with the the doorway to the room in sight, and they just stand there. I mean, literally, I was in tears. Yes, the loss of life is horrible, but just literally sitting there and watching, literally, again, as armed individuals, I mean, why are you a cop? Right. And and you know what, Patrick, and and obviously I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement and and they do an amazing job 99.999% of the time. Um, But I felt the same way. I I just I I, I was sickened. I I actually felt like I was about to cry, too, when I saw it. It was just it was so hard to watch. And then at, at 57 minutes into the tape. You see this guy going and getting hand sanitizer. I'm thinking, who's thinking of hand sanitizer? Like, how dare you think about cleaning your hands? when there is still a classroom that two classrooms that were under assault um, by this guy. It just, it's heartbreaking. Let's go to Mike real quick. Line seven, Mike, your thoughts about this. 
I read a, uh, I'm a retired cop. If you, I haven't got the chance to read the vi- uh, see the video yet. But what if you're saying is true, it's disgusting, and they, being fired is the least of their worries. They should probably be brought up on criminal charges. That's disgusting. Yeah, I think so, too, sadly, Mike. And, you know, I love the police so much, and I appreciate, by the way, your service, obviously, uh, tremendously. But it is – if your responsibility, and you know this firsthand, Mike, and, and I've talked to so many great men and women in law enforcement, it's hard when the bullets are flying, but that's what you are hired to do. And especially when they had the shield, that to me is the hardest thing. When you see that they actually had what protected them and they're still waiting 30 minutes, that is a lifetime. And uh, boy, my thoughts and prayers tonight are with the people there in Uvalde, Texas. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.